climate change on its own is uh, a problem for the Great Lakes, but it's also making a lot of the problems we're already facing worse. And so one of the ways we can be a part of solving for climate change is actually by fixing the problems we already know about. Hello, and welcome to Lakes Chat. I'm your host, Jennifer Caddick with the Alliance for the Great Lakes. In today's episode, we're talking again with Joel Bremeyer, Alliance President and CEO. Today, we're chatting climate change and the Great Lakes. Our region is frequently referred to as a climate haven, but the Great Lakes will also be feeling the impacts of climate change. And in a recent op-ed, Joel argued that we need to get our own house in order here in the Great Lakes region. We'll be talking today about how climate change is already affecting the lakes, whether or not the Great Lakes really are a climate refuge, and what leaders can do to make sure our communities are climate resilient. Welcome back, Joel. Thanks for making the time. Glad to be here, John. So explain to us this idea of a climate haven or a climate refuge. What do people mean when they say that the Great Lakes region could be a climate refuge? So uh, a climate refuge is this idea that a person or a family or a business is going to move from one part of the world or one part of the country to another because of the impacts of climate change. And you hear this term uh, a lot when uh, referring to things like the Western wildfires and people not being able to live in homes anymore that are at risk of, of burning down or a hurricane prone coastal regions and moving to a place in the country uh, that is uh, safer than where they are now because of climate factors. I think of this in really three categories. There are people that can choose to live where they want to and, and will do so. Uh, people who have to move because of climate change and the impacts that they're feeling in their current community because there's no other option. And a business that might move or, or migrate to a more uh, climate protected area because it's a it makes good business sense and it reduces their risk. These are all factors at play when people think about the idea of a climate haven. And certainly the Great Lakes is a place that uh, is on a lot of people's minds. Um, as a place that might be protected from some of the impacts of climate change. So what do you think? Are our Great Lakes communities immune to the worst effects of climate change? The Great Lakes are far from immune from climate change, and we're seeing the impacts of a changing climate globally start to show up locally here in the Great Lakes in the form of more extreme storms, less predictable rainfall, um, more extreme changes in water levels, and, and lots of other ways. What we do have in the Great Lakes region is a bit of a luxury of time. The impacts of climate change aren't as severe as soon here in the Great Lakes as they are in the Western United States with wildfires or in the you know, Southeast coast with hurricanes. We have more time to plan for those impacts, but we are definitely starting to see that showing up uh, right here at home in the Great Lakes. So let's dig into some of those. You touched on a couple of the climate impacts that are the impacts that climate change is already having on the lakes. You know, arguably, I think the most visible from the past few years are water levels. You know, we've seen extreme highs and lows over just a decade. So what does climate change have to do with water levels? Well, if you've lived here even for just a few years, you know that Great Lakes water levels go up and they go down. This is a natural cycle, right? And so we know that water level changes on their own are not evidence of a changing climate. What we've seen in the last decade is an extreme swing from a record low to a record high in less than 10 years. And this is unusual. 
water levels are affected primarily by rainfall and evaporation. And so what happened is in the late 2010s, you had several years of record or near record rainfall that really saturated the Great Lakes region and dumped uh, lots of water into the lakes that wasn't there before. And so you saw this rapid increase in water levels. Um, you can have a similar effect by having several years of dry conditions or drought where there's simply no rainfall going into the lakes or it's hotter than average and so there's more evaporation and you might see a rapid drop. It's very difficult to predict. What we're seeing with climate change impacts on the lakes is that those changes are getting even harder to predict than they were before. And so that leads to a lot of concern over how to live with a lake that is undergoing these extreme fluctuations. So how should uh, our Great Lakes communities live with the lakes that are going to be, it sounds like, much more volatile as we move forward? It's really important to focus on the long term, which I know is hard when there's a extremely high water level, you know, lapping against the shoreline, you know, which puts things like, uh, you know, coastal water infrastructure, treatment plants, and even private property at risk. It's hard to think long term sometimes, but... We've got to do a better job in the Great Lakes of looking at large-scale, nature-based solutions that can actually restore the shoreline for everybody. Remember, our shorelines are, are, are public resources. They're shared by everybody, and they really bring, bring benefits to hundreds of communities throughout the Great Lakes region. The more we can do to think about restoring the shorelines naturally at, at a large scale, is going to bring benefits to everybody and make sure that our shorelines are resilient in the face both of very high water and very low water and everything in between. Give us some examples of what that what you mean when you say nature-based solutions. What does that look like? Sure. So in a lot of places in the Great Lakes, uh, unfortunately, some of the natural flow of sand and sediment along the shoreline that would normally protect the shoreline during these extreme uh, highs and lows has been cut off by uh, hard shoreline protection, concrete walls, uh, piers, marinas, those sorts of things. And so when we talk about restoring the shoreline or making a more resilient shoreline, it's using uh, things like constructed wetlands or offshore reefs or restoring dunes and any landscape along the shoreline that is naturally more resistant and more tolerant of those big lake level fluctuations. Those kinds of shoreline treatments can actually do a great job in the long run of keeping the shoreline resilient. It's also important not to build too close to the water. Unfortunately, we've seen in the Great Lakes region over the last century, a lot of construction either too close to or actually in the water where you filled in the lake to make land. Those are the most susceptible areas to erosion under an extreme high water level. And so it's also important for local governments to focus on making sure that uh, there is no more of that real close to the water construction happening while we're figuring out how to build these larger scale solutions that can actually protect the shoreline that we've got. You know, over the past couple um, episodes on the podcast here, we've talked a lot about the region's failing drinking water and wastewater infrastructure. And climate change is worsening those infrastructure problems. How so and, and what can we do about it? So along with those extreme storms and that high rainfall that's contributed to those high water levels, that same rainfall hits cities and towns, urban and rural across the region and causes uh, flooding in communities. It causes basement backups of sewage, 
Um, it can even cause you know massive uh, dam ruptures, like we saw in, in Michigan a couple of years ago. So these extreme rain rain events um, have a real big impact on communities and, and on public health, really at, at the root. And so um, that's another example of the impact that climate change is having on the Great Lakes region, that means more pollution washing into the water, and it means um, more threats to people's you know, health in their homes and to their livelihood. Uh, this is really at its heart, it's a water infrastructure problem, right? We have to restore our water infrastructure that would ordinarily protect us from things like sewage overflows and flooding, and make sure that it's resilient in the face of what are gonna be extreme storms, right? Today, Great Lakes communities, they're simply not ready for these massive extreme rain events that we see um, every year across the Great Lakes region. And so making sure that we're building, again, focused on natural infrastructure and ways that we can work with the water that's hitting the ground, um, that's what's really critical to making sure that Great Lakes communities are gonna be able to you know, absorb the water and benefit from it and, and not face some of these unfortunate consequences of, of flooding and pollution. And <laughs> Adding, I feel like this is the bad news episode, adding to the litany of, of problems. Um, yeah, the fun part. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I think one other serious issue, you know, that that's a potential climate change impact is the issue of harmful algal blooms, right? Which we always see that massive bloom in Western Lake Erie. And climate change is potentially going to make that problem much worse. Can you explain to us how climate change impacts these algal blooms um, and how that's going to become a worse problem? Sure. And you're starting to hit a theme, though, that I think does pivot us into good news. And it's the realization that climate change on its own is a problem for the Great Lakes, but it's also making a lot of the problems we're already facing worse. And so one of the ways we can be a part of solving for climate change is actually by fixing the problems we already know about. Algae blooms is one of those problems. And so these are uh, blooms when too much nutrient, uh, largely from agriculture, gets into the water and eventually gets to such a high concentration that it causes this runaway growth of plants, of, of algae. And some of those algae, unfortunately, um, have toxic byproducts that can make the water uh, toxic to touch or to drink for, for people and pets. Um, even if it's not toxic, um, it's it's foul. It's like a thick, green, smelly mat over the water. And, you know, sometimes at the really big scale, like all of Western Lake Erie or all of Green Bay, which makes it just impossible to enjoy boating and swimming and all the other things that people like to do in the Great Lakes. Um, that water uh, or, or the, the, the pollution, um, unfortunately, uh, has an easier time causing algae blooms in water that is warmer uh, because of climate change, uh, water that is getting more nutrient because there's more rainfall pushing that pollution into the, into the lakes because of climate change. And those factors, unfortunately, make an existing problem worse. But again, it comes back to we actually know a lot about these problems already because we've been grappling with them for years. And so if we actually um, kind of fast track some of the solutions that we've already been talking about, we're going to do a better job of adapting to climate change just by implementing those solutions that we've already got. You know, if you, so this starts to feel really overwhelming, right? Like we've got all of these, like right now we have all of these big problems facing the Great Lakes, you know, shoreline problems from high water levels and low water levels, our infrastructure issues, these harmful algal blooms. 
Um, how do we start to, let's talk a little bit more about some of those solutions. How do we start to pivot to that? And how do we get our elected officials, you know, or agency officials to start thinking about these problems so that at a minimum, those of us who live here on the Great Lakes are ready to be, to, to deal with the oncoming um, challenges of climate change? Well, you know, climate change, it sometimes gets this reputation as a controversial term or a controversial label. And I think the great thing about the Great Lakes and so many of us being so connected to water is that people have a very, very keen sense of what's actually happening on the ground. You don't need to tell, you know, a farmer whose field is flooded that, you know, climate change is having an impact on the Great Lakes region or a person standing on the shoreline um, watching uh, a, a beach or even a home disappear into the water because the water level is so high. People get it. They know what's happening out there. And so um, there's a great, that's a great basis to start talking about solutions. And so things like, um, let's address the, the algae bloom problem, where we've got too much nutrient going into the water, too much fertilizer washing off the land. Uh, a solution to climate change and a solution to the al algal bloom problem is keeping that fertilizer on the ground where it belongs and not putting so much of it on the land that it washes off into the water as pollution, right? It's a pretty common sense solution. Um, it's easier for me to say than to make it happen across the millions of acres where it needs to happen, you know, for example, in Lake Erie. But we don't have to do um, anything radically different. We just have to uh, make sure that the practices we already know work are actually happening and that the regulations that we know work to keep pollution out of the water are being implemented and enforced. And so I really think that solutions like stopping pollution from getting into the water are things that we know how to do. And if we really double down on those and make sure that they're happening, we can actually start to build more resilience to a changing climate. If you could only pick two, maybe three things that either lawmakers or all the myriad of government agencies that touch on Great Lakes issues, um, you know, two or three things that they should do right now to make sure that our Great Lakes communities are more prepared for climate change. What would that be? Well, uh, of course, the Great Lakes region has seen billions of dollars flowing into the region over the last 10 years for Great Lakes restoration. And that number is only jumping now because of the investments in water infrastructure. One main thing is for our members of Congress and federal agencies is to take the, the great programs like the Great Lakes Restoration Initiative and those federal water infrastructure programs and direct them with a high priority to creating a climate resilient Great Lakes. That's a shift that we haven't seen yet. And we really would love to see that in practice because that will make sure that those uh, billions of dollars are helping address some of the challenges we've talked about today. Another one is making sure that we're acknowledging that the future of the Great Lakes region and our water is gonna look different than it does right now, 50 or 100 years from now, if we don't start getting aggressive about, for example, stopping agricultural pollution from getting into the water, uh, things are only gonna get worse because one of the side effects of, of uh, climate change is a longer growing season and more opportunities for farming. We have to tie that growth in the agriculture industry to our ability to create clean water at the same time. Otherwise, it simply doesn't add up for the Great Lakes, either as, a, as an environmental uh, effort or as a business case. We've got to get a handle on that. And so I think a second thing is making sure that we're getting very clear about 
what uh, regulations and actions are being taken to stop that agricultural pollution from getting into our water. The last thing I'll mention is that there's a big local role here. Um, a lot of communities are facing the reality of coastal erosion, uncertainty about where the shoreline is going to be next year. And those problems often are going to need to get solved at the local level. So whether it's a county or a township or a city, um, getting access to the funds and the, and the expertise they need to be able to plan for a future where we're not building as close to the shoreline, where we're building those natural solutions that actually can make the, the Great Lakes Coast more resilient. A lot of that work can happen at the local level, and that's something that, um, that cities and local uh, decision makers can engage on big time. And I know that um, Congress set aside some funding for um, a coastal resilience study, and I know the Army Corps of Engineers is leading that project. Tell us a little bit about what that means for what that is and what that means for the Great Lakes region. Well, I'm excited about this one because it's a it's the potential for getting big investment into into protecting our, our coastlines in a natural way. The Great Lakes Coastal Resiliency Study, which I know is a mouthful, is an authority for the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers to study this larger scale uh, restoration of the Great Lakes shoreline. You know, ideally using these nature-based solutions um, at a scale that we don't really think about here in the Great Lakes. Um, often, coastal protection is a conversation that's about you know one property at a time or you know one piece of failing you know coastal infrastructure at a time the the coastal resiliency study would uh look at the whole great lakes and identify the places where there's potential for some larger shared solutions solutions that may even cut across public and private property lines and start to build shorelines that are resilient in the face of these extreme water level changes that study is just getting underway now, um, and it's a relatively small investment uh, that requires the cooperation of all the Great Lakes states. But in a couple of years, this could actually be uh, illustrating the path to how we could invest in some of these larger projects and, and actually have a good shot at restoring um, large sections of the Great Lakes shoreline. Uh, and again, shifting our thinking. So we're not um, just doing things the way that we always have, but looking to examples from you know, the ocean coasts or uh, other countries across the world that are grappling with the same problems. So I touched on this a little bit earlier, but going back to this idea of feeling a little overwhelmed by climate change and all the problems facing the Great Lakes, um, what would you say to our listeners? What can they be doing kind of right now to help make sure that our communities and our Great Lakes are more resilient for the future? Well, we haven't talked today at all about the you know the root causes of climate change. So of course I want to remind everybody that it's it is really critical to continue to stay focused on you know reducing the root cause of climate change. Uh, and that's something that everybody can pitch in on. Um, and we really have to see policy leadership on from our elected officials. Closer to home though, there are lots of opportunities to get involved in taking care of our waters in, in the ways that matter most to you. And you know, as I've said today, um, climate change is making a lot of Great Lakes problems worse. What that means is the solutions that you already know about, like you know, restoring wetlands or uh, you know, uh, you know, cleaning up, um, you know, cleaning up our uh, our, our local uh, areas, natural areas, or you know, even uh, working to keep pollution out of the water the way that the Great Lakes has shown that it's been good at for decades. All those actions actually are 
climate resilient actions too. And so um, the work that, that you can do to connect with a local watershed organization or to support pollution control policy um, or to you know be a volunteer and actually get your hands dirty restoring a, a coastal wetland, those kinds of actions are actually climate resilient actions that you can take um, wherever you are uh, and be part of the solution to building climate resilience in the Great Lakes um, while we continue to press for these you know, bigger investments, larger scale solutions that are really gonna be critical to making sure that the region can be you know, a welcoming environment, both for people who might come here in the future, um, but certainly for people who are currently here right now uh, and really deserve a climate resilient uh, and climate safe place to live. So it sounds like the key takeaway here is that we might be blessed with the, one of the world's largest surface freshwater systems, and that might make us feel a little bit complacent uh, when when we think about the issue of climate change. We still have a lot of work to do here, both um, with our lawmakers and all of the agencies, but also for each of us individually. So we do have the luxury of time, uh, a little bit of extra time because the Great Lakes are shielded from some of these impacts that other parts of the country are is seeing right now. Um, but that uh, you know is time that we need to use wisely. We need to use it to uh, invest in resilience to make sure that we are you know creating a, a, a safe and clean and healthy uh, water environment for everybody who lives here now. Um, and you know the Great Lakes have shown that. We have a track record of being able to, to do that when we put our mind to it. I think the climate change makes it even more urgent that we uh, make those investments, that we make sure that those protections are, are, are in place, um, and that we remember that this part of the country, while uh, it, it may have a little bit more time to adapt to a changing climate, um, it's not a free ticket uh, away from climate change. And there's something that we can do in every community across the Great Lakes to be part of building a climate resilient um, region. Well, thanks so much, Joel, for taking the time to chat with us today. We'll put a link to your op-ed and a couple of the other resources that we talked about um, on our webpage, which is greatlakes.org slash lakeschat. But thank you so much for taking your time uh, to talk climate change with us today. We appreciate it. Thanks, Jen. Thank you for listening. On our website, greatlakes.org slash lakeschat, you'll find links to more information about the topics that we talked about today. And you can also sign up for updates to stay in the know about Great Lakes issues and opportunities to get involved. Special thank you to my colleague, Michelle Farley, who produces this podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you'll know when the next episode drops. Talk to you next week.